Hello folks, welcome to the Jock and Journo show for another big episode. It's Anzac Day coming up, always a massive game between Collingwood and Essendon. I'm Jay Clark and we got the captain of Collingwood, five-time best and fairest winner, five-time All-Australian. Hello to you, Scotty Pendlebury. G'day mate, been a while, we had a week off last week while you went... Where'd you go? Bit of an Easter Gippsland. holiday? Yep. Down the lovely country, Gippsland, down yep. my way. Down How your way. It? it was nice. Yeah, a bit of beach time. Um, Family time. Yeah, a bit of winery time. A few eggs. Hung out in a, uh, on a wind farm. Yeah, hoovered a pack of those little Cadbury solid eggs. How many How many eggs over the Easter break would you have consumed? 25. Like little mini yep. solid ones? 25, I reckon. Coco? That's unders, I reckon, for Jay-Z. No, I haven't <laughs> had an egg. I haven't had one egg. Really? I no. even, I've had a few eggs. Saturday How many did you have? Probably four of those little ones. Four? Four. We, Saturday night we did a little... What is wrong with you? You're like Robocop. I'm um, more like... Uh, what was it? Sunday morning. Yeah. Woodfrog Bakery, Hot Cross Buns. Yeah. Two of those for brekkie with a coffee. That's my style. I'm yep. more into bread. Straight out to the gym. <laughs> straight for a run. You nah, would have nah, earned nah. that, wouldn't you? And then Jack's devoured a Cadbury bunny for breakfast and <laughs> got on a really great start for his day that day. He hasn't slept since Easter. Yeah, I know. Hey, uh, we are at the George on Collins Street, guys. You've got to get down here, not only for some of the best drinks and cocktails in Melbourne, but this fabulous Vietnamese menu. Lots of great stuff. Perfect for an after-bite catch-up with maids, family, dinner, without the cooking and washing up. Scotty, you're not having a bad time at the George. Fabulous drinks and dining, 162 Collins Street. Get down here. You know what I'm also excited about, fellas? What, Jason? What's that? Game of Thrones. Oh. Are you both ga- are you both Game of Thrones watchers? I am. I am. I'm. Yep. I'm not like huge into it. Like the boys at the club have all these series. I like. I get. It, I understand it all. I love when the episode comes out. But yep. I'm not like Bucks the other night was. We we're talking post game or something, and he's YouTube's Game of Thrones theories. Is that and right? And then spins them out like they're his own. <laughs> what? Robert Harvey the other day said he watched a Game of Thrones three sixty show. Did he? I said, "What's that?" And he's like, "It's like AFL three sixty, but for Game of Thrones." Wow. 45 minutes he watches it for. It was um, actually on before we came here. I might yeah, have wow. It. See, I'm not that into it. That is deep dive. What is wrong with the Collingwood coaches? I, well, they just love Game of Thrones. <laughs> Too much spare time. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think is going to happen, Scotty? Uh, what, how do you well, think? First, it, what, what's the, the end game the for Game of Thrones? Wait, wait, wait. No, no, no spoilers. spoilers. No, no, no spoilers. spoilers. But the first two episodes have just been building. And I think Slow a lot pace. of people thought there was yeah. something big going to happen. Yep. Um, I... I see Jon Snow still being the main man, or whatever his name is. What is it? Um, Aegon Targaryen. Yeah, yeah, Aegon Targaryen. It's too so, obvious, isn't it? But it's Jon Snow. I think he's the main man. He's yep. never been worried about the title, though, of being the king or the, the big dog or hair to sit on the throne. Yep. So, but I still think he's the main man. Too predictable. Um, That's what I think. Bran, though. Did you, have you liked his storyline? I haven't liked his storyline. He's been boring. He's been good shit. the last couple. Of, like the last two episodes, I feel like he's been good. He's Building. The point. <laughs> Building. Remember episode one, um, season eight, when they're all talking, he's like, we don't have time for this. They're coming. Yes. And it's like, shit. Yeah. He's shit sorted now. Yep. I like Bran. Um, but he just sits Sansa, there. Sansa, I don't ask. care if she's collateral damage. I've got no time for her. <laughs> not happy with Sansa. Style. Why is she a bit cold? Oh, she's just all about herself. Making sure she can sit on the throne. Um, Aya Stark, I'd love for her to. Yes. She, I hope she kills the Night King. Yes. She'll sneak up. And so, do you bang. think it's all about the Starks? The Starks. Oh, I think are the Starks. Win. Yeah, the Starks. See, I think that's too obvious. Nah. Well, they've been, they've been 
decimated throughout. They've Man. been under attack the whole time. Yep. Now everyone's back on their side. Do you know who I think is going to be the unlikely surprise hero? Tyrion. Theon Greyjoy. Like yeah. he's been he's been portrayed as this wimpy, gutless loser who has no courage for a very long time. I think he is set up for a major act of heroism, which is going to surprise us a all. A big hero moment. Yes. Well, he's he there. owes. He's in serious debt. He's, he's he 100% <laughs> going to die, though. I hope so. Yeah. There's no way he's going to live. Well, he said that he's going to go with Bran and try and lure the Night King, which... That's yep. his moment. Which is cool. Yeah. I like that. So, set up so he's to be clearly a sacrificial lamb yep. because... They'll go come for Bran, and he will just sacrifice himself. We're going to talk some football in a I minute. I would not of course. be surprised though if Theon yep. just run. <laughs> that's what he's done in the past. That's he where he's going. That's where that's going to be the surprise. He's going to change. Yeah. You know, it's going to it's going to come down to the major face off. This whole thing. It's going to be Jamie Lannister having to take on. Cersei. Cersei. Oh, yes, yeah. the, the, the brother sister, the intimate relationship. But isn't they're going she to pregnant with old Jamie's- mates. Oh, no, the, with Jamie's kid. No, the, the, no it was the, the other guy. Bloke. Who? The boat bloke? The boat guy. No, because season seven, last episode, Jamie and Cersei oh, were quite intimate. Oh, yes. yeah. It wasn't going to go down well. And then yes. Cersei... Well, confusion reigns with that. ...another guy pretty quickly. Yes. So at least she knows she's pregnant and she's got a, if she's got a little boy in there, she'll have a rightful head of the throne. Yes. Anyway, it's getting deep. Now, we got Arya's boyfriend. Yeah, Gendry. He, he's, he's in there. He's come back out of nowhere. Anyway, there's a lot of people popping up. Out I'm of looking forward to where it goes from here. The showdown. I think oh. that someone was saying today that the next episode yep. three, yep. the battle scene is 45 minutes. Wowzers! You know what would be good if the White Walkers just came in and won. <laughs> well, I found Show that, over. Yeah, I found when this isn't it, when they were talking about Bran and why he holds the key mm. in episode two. I found that cool. You know, then they talk about his memory yep. and why they want him. Yeah. I like that. I, that was yep. cool. I didn't, I, yep. it's obvious, but I hadn't thought of yep. that. I like many being bored by that storyline, but um, that's okay. Are you ready to talk some footy? Yeah, may as well jump in. Game of Thrones is hugely popular. Yeah. We can you got me onto it. to new people now. You said, remember I yeah, said, I need a series. I said, I need a series that. to watch. Yeah. And it was either Suits or Game of Thrones. And I watched, Suits? I watched Suits for 15 minutes, so got watched, bored. Oh, and Suits it, is still good. No, nah, it's a bit, is it a bit pretentious it's and wanky? Oh, yeah. All the still, materialistic stuff. Yeah, it's right up your alley. This more medieval stuff. Yeah. Um, up my alley. What did, um, well, we'll talk some footy. What do you got? Does it feel like, what do you got? Does it feel like you're the premiership favourite? Do you think? If, does it feel like you guys no are the team to beat? No, yeah, I still think West Coast are the team to beat. Um, Didn't they get beaten on the weekend? They got beaten by Port, fifty points or something. I watched that game. Loved the way Port played. Um, Do you think they deliberately think kicked two, it on the ground? Pardon? Do you think they deliberately kicked it on the ground? Yeah, on the dirty ball. Oh, dirty ball! Just because their aerial threat, the weather. Um, yeah, I heard people say the weather was a factor, that it was wet, so West Coast couldn't play their, their preferred style. But Port Adelaide played like a dry-weather football game. Handball, fast, open spaces. Um, yeah, and you know, I heard Adam Simpson talk after the game too about Barras. Like he's really important to how they want to play. That big key defender kills a lot of aerial balls for them. Um, you think West Coast is the team to beat just because you can't beat them? No, well, I think they are the team to beat. They play good Ooh. style. They can beat most sides. You know, Even last year, before they... Announced themselves as winning the flag. They beat Richmond by ten goals in round five or six over there. Like, mm-hmm. and no one really took them seriously because it was like they can't win at the MCG. Um, yeah, they're. I think they're. I think they're the front runner. And then there's a pack of sides chasing, and there's so much, so much time. You know, like St Kilda 
four and one. They found I've spoken about this before. They found confidence. Um, you know, they've. They, I think there was Gold Coast round one, was it? They won by a point. But those games are so crucial just to get that win, get that relief, and then they build and then they beat beat Melbourne on the weekend. I think they've beaten Essendon as well. So they've had some really good wins. So yeah, I think the competition's pretty even. The ladder is extraordinary. With you know, I think every side's won a game. No side's undefeated after five rounds. So it's a pretty even competition. Geelong are really good again. Um, yeah, and there's interesting there's styles too, which make some interesting games. What do you mean by that? Well, I think there's sides playing different ways. So um, I know we're going to have a discussion about wingmen and the role they play in football, but there's sides play different styles of football now. Um, not everyone copies the Premiership favourite because you can't. No one, no one can just go. All right, I will play like West Coast because you don't have Barash, you don't have Hearn, you don't have McGovern, you don't have Shepherd, you don't have their midfielders, you don't have their forwards. So Every side's coming up with a way that they thinks that they can play their best style of football. Um, you know, Port Adelaide's an example. They put Bokey back into the middle, um, increased their running power through the middle. They've put Ebert up four because he's such a good one-on-one mark. Um, you know, there's Robbie Gray forward as well. So their four line's a bit more dynamic now. Um, yeah, so sides are playing more to their own strengths, I think, and worrying less about opposition. You acknowledge their strengths that they've got. There's certain areas, as you said, like Port kicking the ball on the ground going inside 50 so you take that aerial presence away and you try and maximise your your strengths and um, you know hide your weaknesses to a degree and expose the opposition's um, weaknesses I still think in, the, in its absolute core in a nutshell teams are trying to turn the ball over in the front half and score that way win clearances and turn the ball in the front half I still think that's the, the major premise except for maybe North Melbourne are maybe trying to score from the back half and Essendon, Essendon yeah. at times look like they're playing with, yeah. with speed yeah, from the back I think Essendon half. are the best um, side in the comp scoring from their back half of their ground. Um, you know, that's their merit, Heppel, Shield, they get back really hard and their yep. ball use back through the middle is pretty impressive. So, yep. um, you know, that's a challenge for us on Thursday that we're going to face. But, yeah, I think like fundamentally if every side could have it their way, they'll dominate clearances, yep. lock the ball in their forward half and then yep. go to work and try and score. But... Um, there's also that element of, um, you know, if you're not going to win clearances, you, if you can make it as dirty and scrappy as you can, yep. dirty ball, then win it back, and then you can bounce from there. But, yeah, fundamentally, every side, I assume, would look at time in forward half and, and how they can turn the ball over. And also, when you enter the ball inside 50, it's not putting into, you know, if it's a fast play, not putting into areas that can expose you going back the other way, give yourself a chance to lock that ball in. Is Adam Trelaw a tagger now? We'll talk about the difference between your bulldog, the game against the Bulldogs, and then the game against Brisbane, which was an emphatic performance. But is, is Adam Trelaw a tagger now? No, oh, this is the typical cycle because Buck said he did a job on the weekend. Um, now yep. he's become a tagger. We uh, did a job on Lockie Neal. Played on Lockie Neal on the weekend. Um, yeah, roll around stoppage. Um, you know, someone has going to play on him anyway. So yep. um, match up for ads was you know, suited the way that he plays. You know, they're both similar size, both really strong guys, and. Uh, I thought Ads did exceptionally well on him. You know, that's probably the quietest lock he'd been in the opening. I think he averaged 40 touches a week. So Ads to go out there and do that was a really good role for him. Um, you know, Ads another element to his game that he can go out there and do that. I, you know, it's not going to be a weekly thing where he comes out and he's got to run with job every week because he's so um, dynamic with ball in hand. But it was great for Ads, great for our midfield to, you know, add that. that you know, Ads, he can go out there and do a job and still doesn't take away from his offensive game. Teams who beat Essendon keep Zach Merritt quiet. That is the blueprint. So 
I think easier said than done. That would be the starting point yeah. for your midfield yeah. this weekend. If you're going to mark someone closely, let's talk about Anzac Day. Uh, Glenn McFarlane's done a great piece in the Herald Sun, uh, looking at who are the best performed players in Anzac Day history. James Hurd's the clear standout for Essendon. For Collingwood, it's yourself and Nathan Buckley. I think you've got 12 Brownlow votes. Hang on a second. In, yes, go uh, for it. On, on, on Anzac Days, and you average 29 possessions. What is it about? Anzac, that, like, is is it part of the occasion which helps lift you up to another level? Like, do you we, feel that? Well, I think we, we spoke about it before with like big games, because um, it is it is a big game. Um, like, the atmosphere is crazy. Last year we had ninety one thousand there, and we this were, year we'll, we'll beat that. We, yeah, we were, t- we were two and two. I think they were two and two as well. Um, and you know, no great success in the last few years for either side. So. I think with how they've played the last three weeks, you know, smashing sides, 20 goals a week type stuff, um, we were better on the weekend against Brisbane. Um, so I think it's going to be a huge game. Both sides, you know, you have a look at both sides and they're pretty dynamic. Um, both have the ability to score really well. So, um, yeah, it just comes down. There's going to be a lot of hype, a lot of pressure. Um, so it's just for me and for our boys, it's just trying to do what we do well. Don't get sucked into the occasion. Don't change the way we want Hang to play. Hang on, don't get don't, sucked into the occasion. Yeah, so if I'm not, in the, so the, pressure, the pressure's on. Um, and what I mean by that is if you take, say say we take a mark at halfback and the atmosphere's going and you just sort of take the mark and you go to play on. It's like, just play our way. Take that mark. Um, if it's on, let's go. If it's not, you know, hit a kick. So And you can feel like the crowd, the atmosphere, it's, it's amazing when you play on that day. There is a little bit more in it. It feels like a final. It used to be the last three or four years before we played finals. It was our only finals game for the year. So mm-hmm. um, it's always a big occasion. How many years have you been playing? Uh, I've, how many Anzac days have I played in? How many years have you been playing? I don't yeah. know, 13. 13. <laughs> last post is, is playing. You're out in the middle of the ground. There's 100,000 people there nearly, and you can hear a pin drop, like you hear a baby cry, someone cough. Yeah. What is it like standing next to the coach and your vice captain arm in arm at that exact moment? Yeah, it's pretty powerful. Um, like just, I think you have you have thoughts about the game. You have thoughts about um, the war stories you've been told over the years, the stuff you do in the lead up to Anzac Day, um, and just the respect that you. I think everyone in the whole stadium shows for the occasion, and it's not too often you can get a thousand people at the football to be quiet. As you said, you can hear a pin drop, and um, yeah, it's pretty powerful. And just you know, you want to go out there and. I think for both sides, you want to play the right way. You want to, you know, display that mateship. And it's what all the Anzacs talk about is that having that, you know, mateship for your brother out there and, and playing in a really good spirit. So you have thoughts about that. You also appreciate what everyone, you know, who went before us, what they've done. Sacrifice. For our, for yeah. our country just to give us this chance. You know, like we're, we're playing a massive game of football on a huge day because of kids who are 17, 18 going off to war and sacrificing their lives or whatever it may be for this country. So you're really appreciative of that fact as well. Um, do you think when you when you finish up playing footy, will, will you reflect on this and and how you've been able to perform in in these games? I think I'll miss, um, you know, when it all said and done. I probably go to my first Anzac game after I'm finished. I'll miss, like, I'll sit there and I'll miss it. Like, <laughs> and I don't, you get I don't, the goosebumps like we do yeah, in the stands. And I remember my first game that I went to Anzac Day when I was 17 or was it 18? Yeah, my first year when I was 18. Went to round one, it was awesome, round two. And then there's just something so different about Anzac Day. I was like, this is amazing. Like, um, 
I don't know, it was just different. It's like, I really want to get into this game. Like, next year, <laughs> yeah. I've got to make sure I'm in the team for this game. Like, this is amazing. Yep. And I've been pretty fortunate. I've been in the team ever since for Anzac days. But, yeah, they're definitely special. Um, yeah, and when I retire, there's no doubt that I'll go back and think, you know, how fortunate was I to play in these games all the time. I probably won't sit there in round seven and go, geez, I miss round seven. But I'll miss <laughs> Anzac Day for sure. Where do your Anzac Day medals sit? Uh, Mum's got them at uh-huh. home. Yeah, yep. so she's got the memorabilia. I don't have too much at home you got the family coming down yeah mum and dad come down thursday um brothers aren't coming i don't know why um <laughs> a bit over i don't know a bit over watching me play maybe <laughs> yeah. i don't know if they've got they might have footy or something or footy training that night so yep. they're not coming but yeah al and jacks will come as well so yeah looking forward to it how do you feel like you're playing how do i feel like what you're playing you, me personally yeah, yeah um yeah. i don't know i haven't really um reflected on yeah, I think I'm going all right. I'm, so I'm setting the world on fire just yet. Um, I think probably my form has mirrored the teams. I think I've been average in our losses and serviceable in our wins. And I think even in our wins, we've been okay, but not yeah. not great. I think on the weekend was a step in the right direction for us with how we played. I think Richmond was actually, I think Richmond and Brisbane were uh, really good solid wins and, and the Bulldogs was sort of an ugly win where we, we ground away and we found a way to beat them. Um, you know, and when I reflect back on 2018, a lot of games we did win, we broke sides late. And I think that's what we did to the Bulldogs. I think there's been a little bit of an expectation around how we play, probably more from external sources because you sort of remember the finals or the late season games about how explosive we can be and how much we can score on the board. And, um, you know, while we want to be a really good scoring side as well, we've we still to value the defensive side of the game. I think the Bulldogs we made... What, what happened, Scott? I think the Richmond <laughs> Explain game... Explain it because it was boring, Scott. <laughs> yeah. I, it I, was like, a shocking game. I think the, the Bulldogs game was a like a almost like a city. You could imagine the coaches sit up there. It was a tactical battle from the start. You know, both midfields were cracking in hard and yeah. there was loose at either end and nobody did wanted to Did you mean to play the possession style as... Not really, but I don't think they did either. I think it's just how you defend and... Most sides attack these days and, you know, see if you see it, hit it. Why weren't you pulling the trigger? And because I think because both sides had an extra back, Mm. um, you look up and there's an out number always. So you you go backwards and you try and get them on the switch and they could close that down. Um, And then they tried to do the same thing to us and we could shut that down. And and then I think in the last quarter when the game started to open up a little bit and we could get a little bit more entry into one-on-ones, we we broke them. And um, so we were actually pretty happy with that, with that win. And, and went up to Brisbane and, um, you know, put on a, a pretty powerful performance and gives us good confidence going forward against Essendon. Um, we don't want to get in a shootout. I think their scoring power and their fire, firepower is a, a little bit better than ours. So, um, yeah, we've got to make sure there's a fair bit of pressure on. So you try and slow the game down against them? Against Essendon? Yeah. We'll try and slow them down. We don't yep. want to slow ourselves down. Yeah. Yeah, which I think that's, that's sort of the the battle when you play is you don't want to slow yourself down. You want to speed up whenever you can, but you don't want to go kamikaze so much where, you know, you're speeding up, but further up the field, there's no options. And you, and you see teams all the time where someone gets the ball, they're running on the wing, they've got nothing to kick to forward. Yeah. And it's like, well, why'd you play on? Yeah. You got to wait for people to get back in front of the footy. So, um, yeah, like I said, like we've watched a bit of stuff from them, you know, they're so dynamic when they get the footy, like they're lightning. So we've got to be on their skills are great. Um, and they, they get hard forward. So they all get back to defend and they get hard forward. So 
it's going to be, yeah, I reckon it's going to be probably one of the better Anzac Day build-ups in my time. They've certainly got um, the foot speed, mate. Anthony McDonald's been woody. Arazio Fantasia. Devin Smith is back in the side. Um, Arazio Fantasia. Fantasia. Yeah, who else they got? They've got... Um, Tip and Woody, Devin Smith, uh, Shields, Lightning Quick, Zarak is back on the wing. Um, who else plays? Oh, Stringer, Ford, like he's hard matchup. So, yeah, they're, Joe Danaher's back. There's a few few players in that team. What do you think about the game style at the moment? We made the rule changes, 6-6-6. I think it's been great. We haven't seen scoring really increase like they like the rule makers wanted to but I think that's more a coaching thing and game style thing more than yeah. anything at the moment people are wanting to play more uh, retention I what, footy I think with the rules committee my thing would be is don't come out and say what the rule change is going to do because you don't know so don't come out and say we're making all these changes because it's going to increase scoring like you actually don't know if it's going to happen or not so otherwise they would have been in ages ago so they should have trolled it in the VFL no, or the trolled, state leagues first bring them in and say like we're going to bring in these rule, rules because we think it will help the look of the game yeah don't say, because as soon as you say it's going to increase scoring, everyone's on to you. Oh, it's not increasing scoring, blah, blah, blah. I think six, and six, six and sixes made the look of the game a lot better. I, I like the fact that um, you know, the centre square crew gets to go to work. There's not people charging in. But it's not so much going to, you don't know if it's going to increase scoring. It might increase field position or um, might in, increase scoring on re-entries, stuff like that. Just to say it's going to increase scoring. Um, yeah, I think... They need to just be a little bit smarter with the tweaks and how they communicate that to the public. You? I like the rule changes. I think I think it's all been good. Not I like the kicking rule? stuff. Pardon? Sliding rule? No, they've... But, I mean, that's... They, they do need to tweak that because but that's as much as an umpiring thing at the moment. There needs to be more feel, more common sense. I'd like probably. to see with the slide-in stuff, like if you're... Say if I'm over the ball and you slide in to take second my legs out, yeah. second in... yeah. But if you're first in, yep. the next guy coming in, that's your responsibility to make the call on what's happening. Yep. So if I go for the ball and I lose my feet and you fall on my back, that's a free kick to me. Yep. So because people now just run in and jump over you and act like they lost their legs, it's a free against me. So it's like the same action can have two reactions with a free kick to or against me. Yep. It shouldn't be like that. So there's responsibility of the next guy in. Coco. Wasn't it, and correct me if I'm wrong, wasn't the rule introduced when Lindsay Thomas went in feet first and yeah. broke Gary Rowan's leg? Yeah. Why can't it just be as simple as don't slide in feet first? Like Toby Green, don't put yeah. your foot up when you mark. Like, And then yeah. both I, people are yeah. uh, anticipating it. Both yeah. people put their head over the ball. Yeah. I still like the, if you're first in, the next guy can't slide. I broke, I, I did my medial with my knee in Sydney like that. I was first to it, I over the ball and one of the Sydney guys slid in. He was never going to get it. Slid into my knee and my foot got caught underneath and did my medial in the game. And I just like remember watching the footage and I was like, what was the point of that? Like he's like, he didn't mean it, but his only intention could have been to break my leg. So I think the second guy in has a responsibility. If you play the ball. Um, and I think the other thing too, if you want to discourage diving on the footy mm. as much, be quicker on pinging them. Don't give them time to get the ball out. Mm-hmm. So if you dive on it and you get tackled and it doesn't come out within a couple of seconds, bang, that will discourage people then diving on the pill. You ever been booed on the footy field? No. What do you think about fans booing champion players like Gary Ablett? Yeah, I didn't get that. If it was for the social media stuff, he'd come out, he'd put a post up and cleared that right up. Yep. Um, 
I don't. Yeah, it was weird. I didn't get like I went first Hawthorne fans ball. have done it before. Oh, have to him. Yep. Oh, yeah, I was at the game round twenty one last year. I sure. I just think maybe it's a bit of a protected species thing. Or yeah, okay. I just thought it was the the good kind of booing. There's the good and the bad kind of booing where you want to be booed by the opposition fans because they recognise yeah. you're that good. Yeah, they're just booing him because they're good. booing you to try it's and pretty put good you yesterday. Off. It was actually awesome yesterday. It was best. I don't know if you got did you get votes in coaches vote. He got the most votes. It's his best game since joining the club. There's no doubt about that. He took yeah. a hanger. Would it lift you? So before that, when the ball got kicked in, and it was on mirror, wasn't it? Yep. I was sitting at home and I was like, "Gaz, take a hanger." You just see, it was like perfectly set up for him. <laughs> yeah. And it's like funny. It's like, oh, he doesn't take hangers and that. It's like, yeah, well, he played in the midfield for ten years. You don't see too many midfielders taking hangers, but he's a forward now. Yeah. He's got all the tricks in the book, and I and you know that I'm a massive fan of Gaz. So. Yep. Um, but yeah, like he's just so effective. Like twenty-three touches, and I know he's been a player who could have forty, but twenty-three of his touches are forty. Eleven score involvements for me. Like twenty-three the, touches. Some of the stuff that you see, like in the midfield now, of guys racking up these huge numbers, is just guys one toing to themselves, Keep getting chasing. It back. Does that exist? Um, massively. You watch guys when the ball goes out of bounds, handball back into play to someone. That's not there. <laughs> it's, like, it's only a handball, mate. I've never yeah. thought about that one. Yeah, Gaz yeah. played yesterday like everyone expected him to play every game. Like everyone yeah. said, if he plays forward, he'll kick 100 goals or yeah. whatever. Yeah, but he, like, yeah. he was that good yesterday. Yeah. He was awesome. Melbourne is a big story at the moment. In particular, the players which are getting sucked into the contest. Yes, they're winning the contested footy. Uh, but they're not, they've got no, uh, well, they're struggling in terms of their defensive spread. They're being absolutely slaughtered on transition. How do you know, Scott, when to go in for the footy or when to hold back and be part of that second ring? And don't uh, say just play your role. No, it is. It's a, it's a challenge because I think what Melbourne's strength is their contested work around their footy. Um, so they're trying to outnumber the opposition at every yeah, contest. Yeah. So if you take, like people say if you take a photo, you want to see more Melbourne jumpers than yep. uh, Bulldogs jumpers in the photo. Yep. Um, but, yeah, there'd become a point where do you need 7v4? Because only one guy can win the ball. So do you need that 7v4? Because if, God forbid, that four win it and yep. you've got seven committed and they get four to you quickly... You get hammered. Then your, your outer layer's gone. So And opposition teams are holding that space. Yeah, well, I think I heard St Kilda... Did they play Melbourne on the weekend? Yep. Yeah, I heard St Kilda say that they knew if they could get the ball to the outside, they oh, would get them. Yep. Um, and yeah, you could see they were definitely going into like any chance they could. St Kilda were going to the open side of the ground. Yeah. To try and spread them, make them run. Um, yeah. So I think Simon Goodwin said like they're easy to play against, um, and it might be you know there's one of their strengths to become so strong that's also exposed them. So they probably need a tweak. Um, but how, how do they you know? attack the footy? When the, footy, when the footy's there and you've got some black and white jumpers around you, yeah. how do you know? Do you just burrow in for every no, ball? I, think, I wouldn't go in. If we've got, if I see that we've got you know, enough numbers there, mm-hmm. I'll look to try and get the possession out of it. Or if I see the opposition's got enough numbers there, I'll try and take away one of their receivers. Yeah. So if they win it and they want to feed back to somebody, then I'll try and cut that off. Um, but yeah, that's individual. I think some players might think, oh, if I'm the seventh person in, this will help us win the footy even more. But, yeah, then you've got to be able to spread out of there as well. So the conversation has become about now about attitude, right? And whether the, this young Melbourne group has got ahead of themselves. Um, Rodney Eade and Wayne Carey both said that they thought they got complacent because they thought they were better than what they were. They didn't turn up to pre-season training in, in great shape. And it's become a, a discussion in the media at the moment. Do you think that from your 13 years of AFL experience, do you think that exists where a playing group can believe the hype and 
not be as sharp and as hungry. Yeah, I think so. And as so. edgy. Yeah, I think so. I think um, it's like not. I went through a period. I think it was early days of my career where we would like win a game, then lose a game. I think for like twelve weeks we went win loss, win loss, win loss, and it was like when we lost the next week we had an edge about us, and when we won we lost the edge. Um, I don't know if that was getting ahead of ourselves or it's a mentality being happy, but yeah, it was like we lost lost that edge every week. We only could get it if we got a kick in the ass, so to speak. When Mick fired um, up, yeah, when Mick fired up, and you know our leaders were pretty strong, and the training definitely had an intensity about it that. Yeah, you and I don't like footy now. Like I know Melbourne would train hard and all that type of stuff, and yeah, um, it just looks to me when I've watched them, their confidence is just down. Yeah, last year you wouldn't have said that about them, so they've got to find a way to get confidence back to start enjoying their football. Um, but yeah, it's, it'd be a hard spot to be in. You know, one and four playing last year, really good footy. We played them in a practice game at Gosh's Paddock um, before the it's a good game JLT good, series, good and standard. I watched and I was like. Like, that's a round five game yeah. of the AFL season. Like, it was on. They were clinical. They, yeah. I think they beat us by about three or four goals. And yeah. it's like, you know, Melbourne are really going to be... Like, they're going to just pick up where they left off from. Yeah. But, um, you know, sides of probably asking them different questions now. They're really trying to challenge them on the outside. Match them on the inside still, but you've got to challenge them on the outside. Um, I think one one guy, I've Christian Petrarca, I reckon, has just been... Like, I've watched him play. I reckon he's been awesome for them. Like, his energy... His effort, like, and I don't see the whole game or the cameras from behind the goals, but when you watch the vision, he's so lively, he's so dangerous. Like, um, you just think if you can get the ball near him a bit more or to him quicker, whatever it may be, like, he's so good one on one, he's lively around goals. Like, against Sydney, he was buzzing around everywhere, putting pressure on. Um, that goal against Sydney, yeah, snap. He's so good, yep. so yeah, he's such a good player. It's just, um, yeah, he's, he's someone that's really stood out to me with his energy and all that stuff. So I think he got a kick in the ass around one, did he? Someone said it wasn't a performance he was happy yeah. with or something like that? Yeah. He, he and so I've sort of early. watched him because I feel like he's been a bit... He gets targeted pretty easily. I really rate him. And round he's the number two onwards. pick. Expectations yeah. are up. Ju- the they judgments are, are harsh. I, yeah, but I think he's been really good in the first five rounds for them. You reckon he's... In, yeah. yeah. How, how far back can they get, Jay-Z, before it's... Before you think it's too late. What was Sydney like? like how many you, wins what was Sydney a few years ago? Were they two and six? They were zero and six. I zero thought. and six. Yeah, oh, I think against Richmond. I think this is the this is, Richmond can deliver the knockout blow for Melbourne. Um, that's Scott drinking, by the way. Before we get the Twitter feedback, Richmond stop. Richmond can deliver the knockout blow if they win. Um, as they're expected to on Anzac Day Eve, uh, that could send the demons to the canvas. And I think it'll be interesting to see what Simon Goodwin says about at the end of the year about the Melbourne players' attitude and how they approach this season. Because if they have got happy with themselves and they have been a bit complacent and that edge and energy hasn't been there, then that's pretty disappointing from a young group and it's a club which hasn't played finals yeah. since 1964. Well, they're, if they're lacking in transition defence they're going to get the question asked to them by Richmond because they're one of the best transition sides in the comp. And that is their game. They keep the ball live the whole time. They really? slap it So back what do you mean by that? Like they don't Explain want, that. Well, they, they don't not want stoppages, but they love transition. So the ball is going to be going up and back. They'll knock it on. So it's going to challenge Melbourne's spread. And that they really want to get the game into a stoppage, high-contested yep. situation type of game. It's going to be, oh, it's going to be a cracking game. Like, as you said, talking about like one and four, fair bit to play for. Oh, big stage. Nine-time Anzac Day games. And pretty what's, good. what's brutal that like people won't, and, not, and probably Melbourne won't get an excuse mark for this, 
Oh, they, neither side. They, it is a legitimate excuse. They're playing on a four-day break. But both teams are. But I know both teams are, but it is brutal. We played last year, Richmond off a four. So we went Anzac Day into a four-day. Yep. And I'm telling you, when it hits the 20-minute mark of every quarter, you are cooked. <laughs> Absolutely cooked. But as always going into that game, you were saying, nah, four-day break, the boys love it. Yes. Less training. Oh, yeah. So good, yeah. we're fresh as. We don't have one this now year, we know so I can next speak year. freely. <laughs> <laughs> it's hard, boys. <laughs> um, who's the number one player in the competition over the first five rounds, Scott? Uh, number one player. I think the best player in the game is Jeremy McGovern. Yeah. He's, he's, he's literally like a... A game style changer because yep. you avoid him at all costs. But has he been the number one? Who's been the best performed? I mean, Patrick Cripps is probably the obvious one. Nat Fife also comes to mind. I think Stephen Cornelio is underrated. Jeremy, yeah. uh, not Jeremy McGovern, Jeremy Cameron is right up there. Jordan Degoe's had Degoe influential moments. Yeah. Is there one that stands out for you? Jeez, uh, there's Cocker. been a lot of good players. Like Bonton Pelly for me is like, you know, when he has 36 touches like he did against us, yep. he's so damaging. Um, and his kicking left and right foot, like forward footy stuff, is really good. So he's probably my um, pick so far. Yeah, they're, they're a strange one, the Bulldogs. I just think what Cripps can do... Huh? In, in, I Cripps. Just reckon what yeah. Cripps can do in a team like Carlton, I mean, no disrespect to Carlton, but they're down the bottom of the ladder and he's just dominating week in, week out. It's, and he's so young. He's just what, like, is he, 22? Yeah, and he's awesome size. He's massive. Yeah. Uh, one of my favourite uh, fellas in the league also is Patrick Cripps. You raised the question before, Scott. Do you want to get to that now? About if you, if you outside of all your Collingwood teammates, who would you want to be stuck on a desert island with, or who do you most want to have a beer with? This uh, is your question. Hodge fella. Well, I'd have a beer with Luke Hodge. Well, I've had none with him before, but just to hear the stories from Hawthorne and. I'm sure he'd have some good stories too. He was a bit of a rat bag in his early days. He's a Colac boy, is he? Yep. Is he Colac? So, yep. Yeah. Yep. That's a good gear. Ben, ben Dixon <laughs> tells a story about when he first rocked up to Hawthorne. He had guts like a golf ball. Yeah, I'd love to have a few beers <laughs> with Hodgie. And, and then also just hear how he evolved when he made this like light bulb moment that he needs to switch on a bit more. Like it would have been early days. Hawthorne captaincy, leadership styles, um, how he pulled blokes into line, how he managed his group going to Brisbane, his balance, his diet, all those little things. Yeah. There's so much that I'd love to have a chat with him over. I don't know about being stuck on a desert island with him, but I'd love to have a beer with him. What about you? Who would you love to have a beer with? I've, no, Barrett? I've, always, Barrett? I've always had a pretty good time with Nick Nat. The times I've hung out with him, he seems, uh, he's always been an absolute legend. Hung out with Nick Nat. And, a, and a great fella. <laughs> you pretty tight, good mate. Well, I was in Perth when, uh, when he was drafted. Get him on the pod then. Yeah. I, I'm trying. Yeah, I'm sure he'd be listening to this. Just send him a text. <laughs> what did you think about the uh, the brouhaha between Damien Barrett and Luke Hodge? The criticism of Hodge's um, boundary line um, <laughs> interviews. One of them was quite good. One of them yeah. wasn't wasn't so great. But yeah. that's because he just. I think the second one when he come off. Yeah. Um, and was completely cooked. Wasn't great. Yeah. Um, and I know Barrett's thing is that he doesn't like it, but his first one was really good where he spoke about how he wants like, like Brisbane have just turned the ball over in a few silly if I was listening to that I would have thought that was gold yep and if you're a Brisbane supporter being like righto so that, that's how they're getting us this is what they do um, yeah so I thought it was good and then I'm not sure why Barrett said that it had anything to do with him getting paid by well paid. 7 no and he's apologised so, for that yeah did he apologise? did he? I think he I wrote know. I think he wrote I something I that was 
Had a I bit heard of an Triple M. apology in there. It's sort of half an apology. <laughs> a bit of an arrogant apology. Do you, when you're talking, those in game, in those in game interviews, do you. Del- I've never done one. Never? Is no. that because you don't want to? Too big. No, I haven't never been asked. I would have no qualms with doing an in game interview. Um, I've would, done you, would you deliberately hold back? Would you give specifically give nothing? Deliberately um, give nothing? No, you'd probably more talk about yourself. That's yep. what Hodgie did. He gave a little bit about us, but he more spoke about how they would turn the ball over in stupid areas. and Yeah. Um, they just need to get control of the ball a bit more, take the speed out of the game a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I've done the half-time ones where, you know, you're up or down and why you're down, well, this is why, like X, Y, and Z. So I think I think the I think majority of people would be pretty happy with them. You just yeah. get the stock standard, though, don't you? When yeah. they're coming off the ground. I don't hang yeah. out for them. But well, if it's Hod- Hod- someone like Hodgie, you listen. I didn't mind um, Purple's point in saying he doesn't like it. He's more than happy to say he doesn't like it. Correct. I have no crimes with that. Yep. But, yeah. Oh, it's good though. I like then. There's a bit of response. Like Hodgie called him a knob and stuff like that. I like that bit of banter. And then he got on the thing and then they had a chat on air. I like that. I reckon it's cool. The more that players and media can have those chats and get along and not seem like it's us versus you or you versus us. Yep. I think that's cool. Break Man, down the barriers. Yeah, yeah, if absolutely. I had a dollar for every time you called Jay Z a knob. Oh. <laughs> be a wealthy man. <laughs> Free parking uh, for the year. We've got to be kept accountable. Um, just before we go, what 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 were Bucks's sort of? Um, did he have any groundbreaking theories on Game of Thrones? Well, he or? reckons Bran might be the Night King. Oh, yeah. So that was one that he had. How um, can he be the Night King? Just get that off YouTube. Yeah, or did he... he probably got it off YouTube. Right. Um, Harves. Well, I'm not sure what what was his one from 360. He reckons Sam Samuel Tarly. Yeah, plays a bigger role than we all think. Oh, he's quiet. Oh, he's secret quiet. assassins. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the full forward. Know. Oh, and something to do with the um, crypt and Ned Stark, the whites or something might reincarnate. Oh, Ned oh. Stark. Yeah, oh. I don't know, but it's, yeah, it's all off internet. I don't know. Wonder if they claim Cersei, because that'd be like she's already pretty evil. I wonder if she then becomes she a White is Walker. The Night King. In surprise, nah, she's good. She's. I, I like a heel. I like a bad person. Yeah. She's as bad as they get. What are you looking forward to round six? Can't wait for your game. In particular, um, the build-up. It's Easter Monday and Anzac Day, my two favourite home and away uh, games of the year. I love the silence, the solemnness, um, and the tension, and the respect. It's um, I always get goosebumps. So my The hair on my neck always stands up in the minutes before um, the game, and that the first five minutes are just uh, absolutely frantic. And, I, and it's interesting to hear say, Sometimes the most valuable thing in, in that moment is the composure because yeah. you're trying to you're trying to settle and and um, and uh, and think your way through things um, with the ball. It's a good thing, a good like a good way to summarise it is you know when you watch a game and sides start handballing it and you're in the crowd and you're just thinking like just kick it yeah under your breath kick it kick it kick it <laughs> it's like that that's what it feels like for most of the game on Anzac Day that like yep. everyone's like you're hot you're hot kick it you're hot kick it yep. and somebody does like a little handball or breaks the game open you're like oh. Yep. It's almost like that bad shot in basketball. Don't shoot it. Oh, no. Oh, yes, it went in. Do you reckon Dane Beams is a relieved man to get the Brisbane game out of the way? Did you feel um, that exhale? No, not really, to be honest. I didn't feel anything in the build-up um, with him. He handled it okay. Yeah, he handled it fine. It was really good having him on our side for it. Like yep. the insight that he had into how Brisbane want to play, how they've tried to play us the past few times really helped us. Even how he just spoke before we went up there about the conditions that you face up there, being hotter, slipperier, yep. dewier, you know, early on in the game, let's just take yards because it's until we get used to handling the football, let's not overpossess. Yeah. Yeah, he was, he was good. And then he kicked that goal. That goal was awesome too for him. Kicked that and then pointed to where his old man used to sit and 
would have been having a beer. So that was pretty cool. Did Did you see a change in him going uh, from Collingwood, Brisbane, and back as he, uh, as he yeah. changed much? Yeah, like I think most, like you know, he's come back. He's father of two. Um, yeah, just the maturity that he's come back with, and he's you know, I think he spent five years or four years in Brisbane. He was their captain. Um, it's probably a good thing, you know, when he, you know, obviously it wasn't a good thing that he had to leave our club. He was such a good player, but he went back home, spent time with his old man, family, comes back to us. He's used to leading a young group, comes back to us. So you've got a pretty young group. Uh, doesn't have a title at our club as a leader. You but reckon you're still a young group? We're a young group, yeah. You have a look at the guys in our in our side. We're, I reckon we're an extremely young group. Jaden, you look at our front half, we've got... Um, in terms of games played, like Mason Cox hasn't played 50. Jaden Stevenson, Cal Brown, Brody Mychek. So they're all first, second year players in our front half. Geordie's in his fifth year. Vox uh, is obviously pretty experienced. Tom Phillips is in his fourth year. I thought would have thought you'd be one of the top six most experienced yeah, teams in the competition. Age, if we get Reedy back, Goldie back, Dunny yeah. back, Wellesie back, yeah, we're really, really experienced. But yeah. Darcy's only played 50-odd games of footy. Really Billy's old. back after. When's Wellesie coming back? Uh, he played really well on the weekend in the VFL. Um, you know, I doubt he'd play Thursday, just given yep. his age and week his after limited prep. Yeah, I think he'd be right in the throw. He's played really good footy. It's just, I think the hard thing for the VFL for for our guys is they play on Saturdays and we're playing Thursday, Friday. So yeah. you have to bring him back in on a short break. Yeah. So and then you know, do you weigh in the fact that we play at Marvel Stadium, all those sort of things. So like gut feel when gut feel like when does he return? Scientist, don't I? Throw a load and um, oh, I, I think within the next month. Okay. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Yeah. That was an answer. Right. There you Coco's fiftieth this weekend, isn't it? Yeah, uh, it is. Anzacta. Yeah, it is. Huh? And it's his fiftieth game. Yeah. Coxie's. Coxie's fiftieth. Yeah. And he debuted against. Yes, it Anzac Day. Keep the goal. His first kick. This has been another great episode of the Jock and Journo Show, Scotty. We got to. We want to ask our fans too on Twitter. What are we asking? Who do they want to have a beer with? If they can have one player in the AFL at the George. Not pres- not past players, present day players. Yep. Who would they like to have a beer for? Beer with, and then if whoever the most polled is, we'll try and get on the pod. Oh, good idea. Yeah. Can I have a top? Can I have a top three? Yeah, go. Who do you reckon would be most uh, sought after? I thought you'd be with Libba. Tommy Libertor. I haven't oh. spent a lot of time with Libba. Joe Danaher. I haven't spent a lot of time with Big Joe either. Just you oh, and Nick Nat. <laughs> so Paddy Cripps. Be, so Paddy Cripps would be Joel Selwood. That'll be your top three. Right up there. All right. We'll see. When's we'll your birthday, JC? Halloween, October 31st. Same day as Jack Rewalt and Tom Lynch. Nick Nat will be there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks for listening. <laughs> this has been the Jock and Journo Show. Thanks to the George, Braden Cox, Scotty Pendlebury. We'll see you next time. Thank you. <laughs>